0: Sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right.
1: Hey, welcome. Welcome to the program. Happy Hump Day. It is so good to be with you. And we have another jam-packed program. We are going to be talking, first off, in just a couple minutes, we'll be talking about um, the law of sin and death. And how we can see its ramifications and repercussions everywhere around us. So we can't escape that. We're going to jump into the nine lies of the Affordable Care Act, otherwise known as Obamacare. And why the Democrats, they have amnesia as usual. Uh, Democrats always have this thing that they do where when they pass a bill, after they pass a bill, they forget they were the ones who passed it and rammed it through. And then they start complaining about the unintended consequences of that bill. Sometimes the unintended consequences are the actual details of how the bill is supposed to work, but they always seem shocked by what they said would happen actually happening and people getting mad about it. So we'll talk about that a little bit. Uh, there's this new bill that's going to introduce by Republican senators that would allow victims of illegal alien crime to sue the cities that the crime happened in. If these cities are sanctuary cities. So again, Um, If you have a job and you fail to do that job, you should be held accountable when people die. Uh, The job of local cities and jurisdictions taxing authorities is to utilize the tax dollars and revenue that they receive from the people who live there to ensure a safe and um, welcoming environment. And by welcoming, I mean just a place where you can be left alone to live and be free and so you're not absolved of that responsibility because you're not a part of the federal government the constitution applies to americans whether they're dealing with the feds or their local municipality or their state that's why states have constitutions to ensure that people know what they're getting into when they choose to live in missouri as opposed to say california <laughs> and then we're also going to dive into i i'm i want to be careful because i don't want to be the kind of person who says Um, Every time liberals get in charge, okay, it's too late. It's too late, isn't it? I've already said that. (laughs) Every time liberals are in charge, what you see is a ton of things going wrong. And so Austin is run, Austin, Texas is run exclusively by the libs. And they are now trying to turn Austin into little Los Angeles or little San Francisco. Hordes of homeless people camping out on the sidewalks and attacking, molesting, raping, robbing, mugging passers-by who often are women with children who you've been shopping in this area for you know once a week for years and years and years and now all of a sudden you show up and there are tents pitched on the sidewalk and you're like wow i wonder what this is all about and then you start getting heckled and accosted give me money um you you know and these people are mentally ill and they're hopped up on drugs austin wants to allow this they want to stop the police from being able to run these people off of the sidewalks of these of this major city so we'll talk about that and then I have a funny story for you. Um, and it has to do with the weight loss issue. You know, I mentioned that I've been working out and, you know, trying to to do an eating program. Uh, and some of you have been super kind sending over like keto uh, diet plans and stuff like that. I already tried keto and it was not pretty. Um, but we're going to dive into, I think it's a universal maxim that there's a story where a woman says to her husband before they're about to go somewhere, does this dress make me look fat? Well, I'm gonna tell you how that conversation works in the Washington household. <laughs> See if you have any um, I don't know, like this it's similar to what happens at your house or different. Um it's kind of it's kind of funny, but it's also it's interesting. So we'll talk about that. And then of course, this couple, you might have seen this in the news. Um, I have a couple things I wanna point out to you, two things that are super important about this story. The they they happen to be Asian, but they're Americans, and they have had to give up their newborn twins because the Twins that she gave birth to are not their actual, they're not from their actual embryos. So they were implanted with someone else's embryos, and when they realized that the babies weren't theirs, um, obviously, they love them and they want to keep them, but they can't because they're not their babies. So we're going to talk about there's a couple important things about that I want to point out to you. So let's launch into and obviously welcome into the live stream. And if you're listening to the podcast, you're awesome. Thanks to our Patreon founders, the people who've got, helped us get this thing up and running. And I just want to say, you know, in case you had noticed, this is a test of the emergency podcast system. We are still here. We're still broadcasting. And I also got another note this morning from an affiliate that they're like, "Where are you? We don't we don't appreciate you not being on our air." So they're going to be picking us back up. So that brings us up to I think 5 plus the live stream and the podcast, which is taking off a little bit. We're getting some good download numbers. So really have to praise God for that. Um so, let's first talk about this encouragement. I I'm, I'm excited about it. As always, it's Romans 7:11 through 13. Romans 7:11 through 13. For sin, seizing its opportunity through the commandment, deceived me and through the commandment put me to death. So then, the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? Certainly not. But in order that sin might be exposed as sin, it produced death in me through what was good so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. Now, what does all that mean? Well, when human beings live under the law of sin and death, poverty and disaster ensue. So when I say live under the law of sin and death, that means you're basically disobeying what God has laid out for you to do, and you've chosen instead to go your own way, which which puts you under the law. Because remember, the law is for it's not for the just; it's for those who would do the, the evil doers, the wicked, those who would do wrong. So, when you're under the law of sin and death, what a, a primary example for me is any area that you see that there's rampant crime, um, rampant out of child, out of out of wedlock childbirth, all of the different indices that. Uh, researchers and anthropologists use as statistics that they use to measure the health or unhealth of a population, you see them exploding in certain areas, right? And those types of behaviors have now begun to seep out into the suburbs. So we, we no longer have this thing where you can say, well, the suburbs are doing so perfectly well. And the inner cities are just awful. These kinds of pathologies have seeped out to the larger culture through music and television, and they have become more acceptable. So what are we what are we talking about here? Well, there are three things you can do if you want to avoid being in poverty in America. And when I say avoid, ninety seven percent of the people who do these three things escape they either escape or avoid altogether being poverty stricken. And those three things are, getting married before you ever have any kids. So no out of wed no out of wedlock childbirth. And then graduating from high school and not being a criminal. So you don't don't commit any crimes. Don't skip that really important function of getting your reading, writing, and arithmetic to just the high school level and graduating and getting that diploma, and then not going around and either being a whole lot of babies mamas to a whole bunch of different people or fathering a lot of kids with a lot of babies mamas. You skip those, do those other things, boom, there you are. So what does that mean? Well, it means that a lot of people either haven't heard that information that I just shared, or they've chosen to go their own way, which puts them under the law of sin and death. And when you see poor management of the sheep, and I'm going back to our, we've been having kind of a little bit of a, a continuation of the conversation of the shepherd, which is our father in heaven, and the sheep, which is us, those of us who choose to be under his control and care. If the sheep are poorly managed, they leave destruction and waste in their wake, and they are poor in spirit, they are Poor in their physical form, meaning they're sickly, they suffer from diseases, and they also are too thin because they're not getting a proper amount of feeding on healthy grass and they don't get a little supply of grain. They get nothing. They just basically are left to destroy the land, pulling up the roots of all of the different plants and foliage and grasses, and they're just foraging for themselves. When we think about that comparison, think about areas of our society, there are areas in the rural parts of this country, the Appalachias have have some of this going on. Um, and then of course, we have a lot of poverty in our inner cities. And that is because the people there have chosen to go their own way instead of coming under the careful care and loving management of our Heavenly Father. And it is something that people love to argue about. And you know, you're a racist if you say that people need to be Christians or you're, you're, you're a bigot or whatever the, whatever the, the insult du jour is you want to hurt people. If you just simply say Romans seven, 11 through 13 kind of describes the situation that we're seeing in this particular population group that is suffering in this way. And then, others will point to the fact that there are atheists who they don't come under the proper care and management of our heavenly father but they still seem to flourish and manage well well the reason they're doing that is because the bible doesn't lie it doesn't say this particular maxim this scripture only applies to christians if you are into doing well for others if you take care of the poor and the sick and you visit the the uh, you know the imprisoned you you care for the widow you, the blessings that go along with that will come to you as well. God does not lie. So it, 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 it's irrelevant as to whether or not some atheists or some agnostics are able to flourish in our society. The question is, what about those who are not flourishing and what could be changed? And the primary thing that we see is, it's a spirit of disobedience that goes against what the scripture says and really thumbs its nose at anyone who would tell the truth and speak the truth into that situation. So careful care and meticulous, caring, loving management brings blessing, and produces tranquility and lush surroundings. And so, when you look and you see people who are living in lush surroundings, and you'll see that they're very careful in their dealings. They're very careful with their time. They're very careful with their their money, their children, their resources, their spouse. They take special care of what they've been given, what they've earned, what anything that's in their care, they're under their control, so that they can not only maintain it but help it to grow and to flourish, which is also a biblical principle. So. What am I saying here? God's law is holy and it doesn't bend or, you know, wrap itself around or contort to fit the ides of man. We cannot change what God's holy word says or the outcome or fruit for those who follow it. What we can do instead of kicking against the pricks and acting as if we know better is to bring ourselves under the careful care and management, meticulous management of our Heavenly Father. And in any area where we know we are falling down on the job, address it, take it to the Lord, leave it at the altar and ask for his help and courage to be able to move forward in obedience. And so I have some cross references for you. Um. Romans 7:14 for we know that the law is spiritual and I am, but I am carnal, sold under sin. So that speaks to our need for the Father and for the saving grace of Jesus Christ's work on the cross. Romans 3:31 says, "Do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. Yes, we establish the law." Romans 12:2 says, "And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good an acceptable and perfect will of God. And then lastly, Romans 7 7. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? God forbid. No, I had not known sin but by the law, for I had not known lust except the law had said, You will not covet. So the law informs us of when we are gotten outside of what God has for us, and the way back is to repent, getting into obedience, and then moving forward with the knowledge that all of our sins have been our sin debt is paid. Once we've repented, it's separated for as far from us as the east is from the west. And it's thrown into thrown into the sea of forgetfulness. So we don't have to keep reminding God that we've sinned. He's forgotten about it. And he's moving forward. And we can too. And that's super encouraging. <laughs> so um we when we come back in, um, in just a minute, we're going to go to the break. And when we come back in, you're going to hear cut one, the lies, there are nine lies of the Affordable Care Act, which uh, Jim Jordan, he was getting a little bit fiery in a committee meeting, and he was tearing it up. And uh, we want to listen to that. And then we're going to run through our stories, and I'm going to kind of break down the most important parts of those. Uh, I want to point you to Twitter at Stacy on the Right. is where you can subscribe. You can also watch the live stream there. So if you are watching on Facebook, and the latency is really low, and they've had some problems with that of late, they had a huge outage as well. If you're watching there and you're having trouble. Never fear. You can always go right onto, um, yeah, you can go right onto the. Um, I'm sorry, I got a little distracted there because I looked at the, I looked to see if the chat room thing was working and I'm not sure. I'll go there in just a second. Um, you can get to the show, watch the live stream at stacyontheright.com while the show is live. And then afterwards, if you miss or if you're wondering what's going on with that story she talked about or what was that verse, you can find the show notes at listen.stacyontheright.com. All of the programming that we've done is there and then you can click on the link and it's so cool because let me just tell you, it's so cool. Fireside, it's cool. It's a cool podcasting platform. And as we're going out here, I just want to tell you something that kind of transpired here at the house. Um, Well, first of all, I got an email from someone who said that she was disappointed that I wasn't on AFR anymore and that she'd had this, it was kind of a rough year for her, an interesting year, and that through that year, the encouragement segments had really blessed her. And I got to say, that was a huge blessing to me. And I was sharing it with the kids and they were saying, yeah, that's just a sign for you to keep going. Just don't give up and keep going. And so... That's what we're doing here right now. With you, with your help, I'm 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 moving on. I'm doing it. All right, we'll be right back after this. Stay there.
0: My name is Hunter Hayes. I know myself, and I know my buzzed warning signs. One shot is about knowing my limits or not necessarily knowing my limits. I start with one shot to have a good time. One of the signs that I'm starting to feel a little buzz is when I start solving not only my own problems, but the entire world's problems. When I know I'm going out, I know I'm gonna start with calling for a ride. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. When might you be buzzed? When you suddenly love everything. You guys, I love this song. I love these nachos. I love our kickball league. Ugh! I love this guy. What's your name? You know what I love? A ride when it's time to head out. If you see a buzz warning sign, call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the ad council. I love your car. Is this real leather? I'm probably okay to have one more drink before I drive home. I'm probably okay. I open the window to stay alert. Probably okay. I just popped some gum in my mouth. Step out of the car, please. I probably made a mistake. Probably okay isn't okay when it comes to drinking and driving. If you see a warning sign, stop and call a cab, a car, or a friend. Buzzed driving is drunk driving. A message brought to you by NHTSA and the ad council. Uh oh. Brad's buzzed. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's starting with the woots. Woot <laughs> Now a speech. I just want to say that friendship is about heart, heart and brain. Who's with me? Good thing is he knows when he's buzzed. And my brain is saying when it's time to go home, somebody call me a ride.
1: Love that guy. Me too.
0: Know your buzzed warning signs? Call for a ride when it's time to go home. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. When is the best time to talk to your family about staying in touch during a disaster? When floodwaters reach your door? When wildfires are engulfing the edge of your neighborhood, or an earthquake is destroying buildings, or is the best time, perhaps, today? During a disaster, you may not be able to stay in touch with your family or friends as easily as you think. Go to ready.gov communicate and make your emergency plan today.
1: Don't wait. Communicate.
0: and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Spacey on the right.
1: Okay, so I'm going to introduce the cut. It's cut one. The Nine Lies of the ACA by Jim Jordan. Let's go to that one.
0: Under Obamacare, make no mistake, Americans saw their premiums skyrocket and their health care choices reduced. The majority's title for today's hearing is Trump's efforts to undermine the ACA. Undermine the ACA? Think about what we were told when this bill passed. Now what? Nine years ago? I call them the nine lies of Obamacare. Think about this. Remember this one? If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Y'all remember that one? How about the one? If you like your plan, you can keep your plan. We were told by the president of the United States premiums were going to go down. He then got more specifics. Premiums will go down on average $1,500. He said deductibles would decline. Five false statements right there. Oh, remember this one? This was in the Fall of 2013, remember this one? They told us the website was gonna work. They told us the website was secure, your information would be secure there. They told us that these co-ops were wonderful, end all, be all creations. 23 were created, guess how many are still in existence? Four, the other 19 went bankrupt. Oh, and the other the ninth lie, they told us, First they told us it's not a tax. Then they went to court and said it is a tax. Now they're saying no, it's not really a tax at all because you can't tax it now because the individual mandate is gone. There's no penalty. Nine different lies we were told about Obamacare, and, and the hearing is titled "How Trump's efforts to un." How can you undermine something that's already failed?
1: Wow. So again, I've complained on here numerous times about how th- there's that. That's Representative Jim Jordan uh, talking there. How our kids can't work 32 hours a week because of the Affordable Care Act. And there's all kinds of other stuff. Like if you sell your house and you make more than a certain percentage of what it's sold for to you, So in other words, if you make too big of a profit, and a lot of Americans are out there doing this, the proliferation and the rise of HGTV and its popularity means that millions of Americans have gone out and they found that worst house in the best neighborhood. And then they've spent their weekends and their nights and their summers and their vacations painting and cleaning up, and that's what we've done here. We, we We do so much of the work ourselves. Whatever we can find someone great to come in and do something for us that isn't gonna charge us an arm and a leg, we do that. And then the rest of it we do ourselves. And so our house has increased in value. And I don't know if it's to the level that we'd incur that extra tax, but Obamacare has a tax built in on your home, your personal property that you made the decision to buy. Maybe maybe you lived in it like we did the first, um, I don't know, almost a year that we lived in this house. We were living here with walls that were open, f- sub flooring that we were walking around on in our shoes because you couldn't be barefoot in the house in some per- some parts of the house. I mean, the kind of stuff that you see on reality shows, we were doing that. So that is our sweat equity that we're, we're playing around with, if you will. And if we decide to sell this place, why should we have to give money to Obamacare because we made more than what they feel like we should have made? Again, it's the socialism and Marxism and, and that's what's so crazy about people complaining about it. If you're a Democrat Your people brought us the ACA. If you're a Democrat, you voted for the people who gave us all of these dumb rules and regulations. And if you're a Republican, you voted for the people who refused to do anything about it. Oh, yeah. You thought it's going to let them off, didn't you? They're culpable, too. They may not have voted for it. They may not have said, well, this was our idea. But now that it's in, they seem completely unwilling to get rid of it. Well, they don't seem. They are unwilling. Okay, so. What's important about Jim Jordan bringing the nine lies of the Affordable Care Act to the floor of the House and talking about it in this committee hearing is is what's important about it is that it comes out into the American psyche and because it's there instead of maybe on Fox News where there are definitely they have the most viewers, but there's still huge swaths of America who they believe that everybody, everybody and everything on Fox News is racist. So they don't see or hear Fox News having it there so it can get out into other channels means that other Americans can begin to connect the dots between what they're seeing in their own personal affairs having to do with their health care and the Affordable Care Act and connect that to the people who forced it on us which are the Democrats that and and that just has to be said um so i want to say hi to the people who are in the chat room hey 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 everybody who's in there um and then what we have to do now um We have to get to this story. The title of today's show is um, the Amazon Practices Raw Censorship. um, And the censorship that they're practicing is against people who've written books, who are selling their books on Amazon, who once identified as gay or lesbian. Now, here's what's important about this, first of all, before we even dive into the meat of the story. Amazon is the largest retailer of books in our country. So when it, when they make a decision about who can or can't sell books on their site, they're literally depriving Americans who use their site exclusively to find new books and content because they've replaced libraries, they've replaced Barnes and Noble, they've replaced every major outlet. They're the primary source of book purchases and searches in our country. When they do this, what they're doing is they're saying, we don't care what your message is because of who you are you don't have the right to speak to Americans. That's huge. That's huge. When people talk about the robber barons and the Rockefellers and when people talk about the fascism of far-right individuals and they name off people who are just regular people, what they're doing is they're trying to equate the bad acts of the past that have a lot to do with Marxism, socialism, progressivism, and communism. They're trying to associate those things with people on the political right of today when the actual practitioners of those bad behaviors are big, untouchable, untaxable entities like Jeff Bezos and Amazon. So here's a story. Whew. I, I, I'm, again, when you hear this, just think to yourself, did you ever think you'd hear this in your life? There's a Catholic psychologist um, who has had, she's, she's complaining, it's a, bu- it's a bunch of people, Her, the works of Ann Polk, she's of the Restored Hope Network, Pastoral, counsel, pastoral counselor and author Joe Dallas, and others who've written books that were sold on Amazon. Dallas's book is called "Desires and Conflict: Hope for Men Who Struggle with Sexual Identity." Paul wrote a book called "Restoring Sexual Identity: Hope for Women Who Struggle with Same-Sex Attraction," both of which were sold on the Amazon website with no problem. They've recently had their titles pulled from Amazon. Now admittedly, both of these people are coming from the Christian worldview. But here's what's interesting about both of them. They both used to be practicing homosexuals. And now they're no longer practicing homosexuals. They've written books to help other people come out of that lifestyle by choice. No one's being forced. But if someone is uncomfortable with the way that they're living, and they want to find peace and hope and restoration, these books offer that to them. So the quote from dallas um and i'll give their names one more time uh joe dallas he's the author of desires and conflict hope for men who struggle with sexual identity he says amazon's decision is no surprise since today's culture is caving to the goals of the lgbtq xyz political movement which have always included the silencing of and any disapproval uh, of homosexuality so you can't go against it not allowed He emailed that quote to the Christian Post on Monday. He said, it would be awfully naive to think it will stop here. He said, first, the LGBTQ movement will convince the culture that telling homosexuals they can change is dangerous. Then they'll convince the culture that calling homosexuality a sin is dangerous. Then the government will tell the pastors of America that they can, what they can or cannot say on the subject, and the culture will approve. He also added that, those whose books are being targeted and scrubbed from the website are presently considering how to best respond, but their mission will remain the same. Dallas went on to say, none of us will stop communicating the grace of God evidenced in our lives and in the lives of those we serve. Peter and John said it so well, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge for we cannot, but speak the things which we have seen or heard. And he also referenced acts four twenty. So Dallas's other books are still available on Amazon. But these ones that have to do with coming out of homosexuality, those have been scrubbed. So in response to the removal, the voice of the voiceless, a group representing former LGBT identified persons, have launched a change.org petition demanding that Amazon reverse course as they're accusing Amazon of unfair censorship. So I told you what the first thing was. The second thing that's important about this is there are people out there. Who are struggling with this? Young people, teenagers, young adults—they've come up in a culture where, in our modern culture, if you've been educated in public school for the past ten years or so, you've been told that they're—if you're LGBT, you were born that way, and if anyone who says differently hates you and is a bigot. But if you're uncomfortable with it. There's no outlet for you. You can't go to your teacher and say, I understand what you're saying Validate some of my friends who are LGBTQ, but what about me? I'm not comfortable being LGBTQ. I don't want to be this. I I, I want to live differently. I want to honor the body that I was given. What No matter what you're saying, the teacher is going to say, oh, you've been told that by your parents or oh, people who want to hurt you are saying that. You need to accept who you are. You were born this way and you need to celebrate your LGBTQ-ness and shout it from the rooftops and be flamboyant with it and put it in people's faces so that you can feel acceptance. The way to acceptance is to force other people to agree that they accept you. Others have to accept you. That's how you will become accepted. And we all know that's not how that works look at all the different movements that have been uh, initiated in this country to accept things that are unacceptable that one of the things that has come out recently in the last I'd say five or six years is this burgeoning movement to accept people who are overweight instead of acknowledging that you know weight loss would benefit them in their health in their physical health and it would also be beneficial to their mental health the move now is to accept it and so I'm I'm not criticizing anybody I've, I've admitted that I'm trying to lose weight myself but in the it's basically trying to make people feel good in that effort they're trying to normalize something that's actually unhealthy so if you're a little overweight you know and I I feel like I'm I'm past a little overweight but I'm I'm in the zone where I need to lose weight it's really up to your internist your primary care physician to let you know if your, let's say your cholesterol numbers or something like that are more than they should be right it's not a cultural phenomenon that I can just go on Instagram and check and see if um plus size women are trending or if there's enough, you know, if there are more than a certain number of millions of of approving hits on that subject matter that I can just say, well, I'm fine. It's really between you and your physician, right? And it's between you and yourself. Well you say, I'm comfortable this size. I'm healthy. I sleep well. I eat well. My numbers are good for my 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 doctor. So I'm I'm sticking here. Or if you're saying, you know, my numbers aren't bad. They're borderline, but I don't feel as good as I should. I don't I don't feel I don't feel peppy. You know, I get I get tired easily or I don't sleep well. Whatever, whatever it is. I have brain fog. You know, being overweight can cause brain fog. I'm not willing to keep living like this. I want to change. And it's the same concept because I, I know the Bible does delineate homosexuality and the the active practice of it as being an abomination as opposed to like regular sins, but it's all still sin category type stuff. So if you recognize that you're overweight and you want to change that, no one in our culture will say, oh, you know, you shouldn't change. You were born overweight. You're going to stay that way. But that's what they want the culture to say as far as the behavior of homosexuals. And the reason that I think that that is the the main thrust of what we see coming from the left and the people who want to convince us that you can't even say the Bible says it's wrong is because if you have people like um, Joe Dallas and the woman in this story, Ann Polk of Restored Hope Network, if people like that are running around talking about how great it is to just live a normal lifestyle, then that points back to what the Bible says, which flies in the face of what they've been saying Which means people will know they're lying, and that's not something they can tolerate. What is so shocking to me is that they're able to culturally, their takeover has been so complete. They're able to actually stand up in the face of Christians and people like these. So, Ann Polk and and Joe Dallas, these are not, you know, fly by night, just showed up on our radar last week type people. They've been in this movement, writing books and talking about coming out of that lifestyle for a very long time. They're established and they're well respected. For them to say, we're gonna scrub your books off of here and there's nothing anybody can do about it for Amazon to say that, it means we we are literally in a cultural clash, a war that you can only pick one side. And I've, I've also, you know, I'm a mom and a wife, so I'll say, I told you so. I've been saying for quite some years now that we would get to a place where you had to make a choice you will be made to choose whether you want to or not, whether you live in the suburbs, whether you live in big mansion, whether you live in a you know condo, whether you're chilling downtown in a loft, no matter where you're living, no matter where you work, whether you're in church every Sunday or you haven't been in a church in 20 years, if you're atheist, if you're agnostic, if you are a Bible-believing, gun-toting, Midwestern diva with cowgirl boots and all that stuff, you will be made to choose. And when you choose, keep eternity in mind keep it in mind because in the bible there are many examples of people who they were very very strong but when it came to came time to decide if they were with christ or without him they they floundered and so i'm not saying this from a lofty position i pray that the lord would strengthen me so i could make the right choice as well but i I, i'm i'm telling you this because if you're listening this is appointment listening you're not here by accident you're hearing this and i'm speaking to you we have to be sure that we believe what we believe because every one of us will be made to choose and right now they're doing it you know this is a subtle but not so subtle hammer they've dropped on anyone who teaches and preaches that someone who's homosexual can come out of that lifestyle now to me that's good news and you're not forced to take it it's at your choice to decide if you want to accept that news but what they're saying is Learning that's not an option for you. This isn't America. It's, you know, not America. And that's just ridiculous. All right, we'll be back with more. Keep it here. Rachel Ray here. Nothing brings a bigger smile to my face than cooking up a big meal for the whole family and lots of friends. But there's not enough room at my table for the 17 million kids in our country who struggle with hunger. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks collects surplus food to give hope to hungry kids. But they can't do it without your help. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org.
0: A message from Feeding America and the Ad Council.
1: Brought to you by
0: Feeding America and the Ad Council. Melissa from Michigan. I work an extra part-time job serving lunch at my child's school, but I still can't afford to put food on our table.
1: Daniel from California.
0: Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Stacey on the Right.
1: Well, what I was talking about was the fact that, you know, um, nobody really expected um, President Trump to win. And I was talking also about the entire 2016 cycle. You know, many of us um, were spurred into action by what happened in 2016. The labeling of each other as they're all communist or they're all this or they're all that. And the fake news, the divisiveness of our country was something I had never seen before. You know, my husband is a Republican. I'm a Democrat. We took stock of that after the election and we said, you know, where, where are we as a country? And that way it was the same thing for me. Was was looking at at that tragic event in taking stock of where are we as a country. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I was saying, and I and I can see why um, you know folks might be upset about that. But that's what I was saying. All right, Lieutenant
0: Colonel Amy McGrath, we thank you for your service. Uh, good luck out there on the campaign trail.
1: So Amy McGrath, wrong path, McGrath is now trying to clean up her comments comparing Trump winning the presidency in 2016. To the same feeling she had on 9/11. Now let's put some perspective on that for a second. Uh, I don't know if you know we we all have our story from that day, right? Mine mine is I, I mean I I still remember it just like it was yesterday. My husband and I had our two kids. There were babies because um, they're 15 months apart. So Maya was Miles was just tiny. He was he was a, literally in one of those pumpkin seats, and um, so he was like six or seven months old and Maya was just under two and they were in the back seat in their little car seats and we're driving along on our way to our friend Roz's house because we were going to purchase well we we were going to look at a duplex to purchase because back then we lived in a four family and we were purchasing little duplexes in the city you know as a part of like increasing some of our net worth to try to because we wanted to buy a house in the suburbs so we go and uh we're driving down the road and at the time what's so funny is it was the station i ended up actually having a radio program on we're listening to that station and we're not listening to it per se because we liked the content or anything i mean we'd, we'd made our conversion from democrats to conservatives we're, we're, we're riding along and it's the top of the news hour and um we did have we did have a cell phone back then my husband had from work and oh and if people are wondering what I would love is to have people who are making a choice. If you'd listen or stream the show on stacyonthewright.com, unless you're listening on the podcast, which, you know, you're awesome too. Um, but if you're one of the live stream people, we prefer you to do that on the Stacy on the Right show page, which is stacyonthewright.com. Um, but we also, we like YouTube. We like, we like Facebook. They just don't like us as much as we like them because they throttle us down. So, um, that's the answer to that question that was in the chat room. So we're driving along. Um, we're listening to the top of the hour news and we're discussing, you know, we're going to go see this this place and I'm kind of, oh, I, I don't know. I don't think it's going to be that nice. And he breaks in and says, we're getting information that a plane has flown into one of the World Trade Center towers and, um, you know, there's chaos in New York. I was like, this is the worst prank radio prank i've ever heard just like that i went just like that my husband goes you think this is a prank i said what what else would it be a plane flying into a building in new york i said this radio station should be taken off the air so we sit there he, my husband said let's keep listening so we sit and we keep listening and he says i know this sounds unbelievable but this is real news it's not it's, we're we're not pranking you this is something that is developing a developing story i said oh my goodness, we're under attack. So in between the time that we heard that, you know, it was like, what, 12, 13 minutes between the planes hitting, we get to her house, we walk in, and remember back then, you didn't have a flat panel. You had those big televisions. Like if you had a big screen TV, it sat on the floor on its own like platform thing, and it was huge. It took up a whole wall of your house. So we walk into her place with the babies, and she says, this is real. This is happening. Have you you, you seen this? I'm like, oh my goodness, I... I know um, it is, it is like real, but we turn and look at her television and there's the second plane in the second building. So I immediately try to call my mom, you know, because they live in the D.C. metro area and all the, the lines are busy. We sit on her couch and we learn about the plane in Pennsylvania going down in the field. We learn about the plane going into the Pentagon. And at the time, my mom had two offices. She worked for the federal government. One was at the Pentagon and one was at the uh, the it was at a place called Crystal City, which is near the Pentagon. And so she would often, like she'd work at the one office most of the time, but she'd head over to the Pentagon where she literally, she had an office there. So we are sitting there and... We're watching and I can't get through. And so the phone lines were tied up for a couple of hours. I called my dad. I called my sister. They all live in the D.C. metro area. Couldn't get through to any of them. So for a couple of hours, I didn't know if my mom was at the Pentagon and if the part of the Pentagon that had been hit that was her office or anything. We didn't know what had happened to her. So we finally get through, right? My, ex, It was actually, I didn't get through to them. My dad called and he said, Stacy, we're all fine. I know you've probably been trying to call. And I was like, yeah, I have. What's going on? And my dad said, just, just stay calm. But your mom was on the way into work this morning and she was almost to the Pentagon. And then she remembered a box of files. This shows you how long ago this was, 1991, We you used to bring boxes of files from one place to another. She forgot a box of files and, in Crystal City. She turned around. She got off the highway and turned around at the exit and went back to Crystal City. And she was in her office at Crystal City when the plane hit the Pentagon and the part of the, the pentagon that was hit was her office and she lost the the 26 people who were killed there like half of them were coworkers of hers and if she'd gone on that day to the pentagon instead of stopping in crystal city turning around and going back she would be dead too and so these are the kinds of stories that are, it's just all over this country. People who were supposed to be at the World Trade Center that morning, but they had a sick kid or their, you know, their tire, their battery was dead, their tire was flat. I've just read so many of them. It is, it is an amazing thing how some people literally escaped death and others went on into work just like any other day and they died. And so it was a national tragedy it was a horror. It was an act of terrorism. It was something that damaged us as Americans, and, and many have still not healed. You've seen the just in the past month or so, we've had numerous celebrities. I think John Stewart was co- raising cane up in, in uh, D.C. on the Hill for people who they're waiting on funding from the federal government because they're still sick for, with disease from responding. These are first responders who responded to 9-11. And this woman, Wrong Path McGrath, says that her candidate, Hillary Clinton, losing an election felt like 9-11. And she says she can understand how some people might be upset. We're not upset. Most people who hear that, like for me, I'm not shocked at all because she's a liberal. She says she's the most liberal person in the state of Kentucky. And I have a, a lot of relatives in Kentucky. We go to Kentucky often and we hang out with our relatives there and we just I, we, we love it. <laughs> Kentucky is awesome. It's a beautiful state. Um, so she's the most liberal person in Kentucky. Sounds like she should move to, uh, you know, one of the places that is, it, is currently in the news for having public defecation. She should go live where her policies are rampant the stuff she believes in, go move to a place that's run by the people that she believes in. This isn't about left or right anymore. It's about people who literally want you to live in third world conditions and then the rest of us. And so, she's got to clean that up. She's trying to clean it up, but I don't think she's going to be able to. I think it's one of those things that's impossible for her to come back from. She can't come back from it and she's not going to come back from it and I'm I'm pretty happy about it. Um, So then, also, and and we'll we have two more things. Um, I want to get to this story about the newborn twins because uh, there's a couple things I want to point out here, and it makes me pretty sad to see the story. Obviously, these parents—they're just being—it's—it's it's such a sad story. Um, but this is what happens when you have unregulated industries, and you guys know I'm for less regulation, but I'm not for no regulation. I'm not a libertarian, and I don't believe that people. Who uh, if if you want to do something like a medical procedure and currently in our country, there's not you know a, a protocol for it. It doesn't mean you shouldn't be given the opportunity. That's what the right to try legislation that President Trump just signed into to law was about. It's about giving people who want to try experimental drugs and things like that that maybe it's working in another country but it has not yet re- achieved FDA approval that bill gives patients the right to try before their illness kills them but this isn't that in vitro fertilization has been around for a very long time and if you set aside some of the moral there's a lot of people who feel like it's immoral or you know it's it's not the right way to go about doing things millions of couples have gone through this and had babies um it is something that you know, it, it depends on the situation you're in. Uh, for families who don't want to adopt, they want to have their own baby, it's the way to go if they're infertile. So, this story is about this New York couple who gave birth to twins in March after traveling to Los Angeles to undergo in vitro fertilization. They filed a lawsuit against the clinic because a mix up there resulted in them giving birth to another couple's children who they then had to give up. The couple happens to be Asian and they're identified in the lawsuit as AP and YZ. And they say that they're, they consulted CHA Fertility Center in January of 2018 and that their first attempt at in vitro failed, that was back in July. But just a month later, they tried again and they were successful. But then they were told early in the pregnancy by their, their attending physician that they were carrying twin boys. Which was a surprise to them because they only had unfrozen two female embryos. So again, they unfroze two female embryos. They thought those were implanted in the mom, but they weren't. They got, two, they got boys, twin boys. So Dr. Joshua Berger and Simon Hong, co-owners of the CHA Fertility Center, allegedly told the couple that the sonogram showing that they were boys was not a definitive test, He also relayed a similar story in his own life where his wife had the similar outcome. She was told they were having one sex, they had another at birth. Then they had a genetic test done. So, first, before they had the genetic test, March 31, 2019, AP, which is the woman, gave birth to twin boys by cesarean section. The boys were not Asian. So CHA personnel flew across the country to where they were in New York and tested the newborns and the genetic test showed they were not related to AP or YZ, the husband and wife, the Asian couple, nor were the babies related to each other. The babies were not related to each other. The testing also confirmed uh, this this result. So. According to the lawsuit, they were forced to give custody of each child to their biological parents, who were also clients of the CHA Fertility Center. And to add the most insult to all of this, because it's all just totally out of control, their two female embryos are lost. They don't know where they are. So from a physician standpoint, from the actual extraction and retrieval to transfer, there are so many steps that are involved in that process. A woman, Dr. Jessica Shepard, she's an OBGYN, she's not involved in the case, but she was speaking uh, about the issue. She said, whether it's with the geneticists, whether it's with the lab techs, we all do have a responsibility to ensure the actual transfer is going to the right person. Now, the couple, the Asian couple, they've reportedly spent over $100,000 on fees and travel expenses associated with the clinic, and they've suffered permanent emotional injuries from which they will not recover. Now, the clinic should be put out of business. Here's the two things about this story I want you to know. First of all, the clinic should be put out of business. Their license should be pulled. All of the records should be gone over with the fine tooth comb to find out where their babies went because they had these unfrozen female embryos, babies that they thought were going into the mom that never went into her. So did they go into some other mom? Does some other person have their babies? Were they destroyed? What happened? Second of all, clearly we need some regulation in this industry. A clinic that operates like this should not be permitted to go on, nor should the couple who's born all these costs have to bear the brunt of it, some of with their insurance. There should be some insurance on the clinic that covers situations like this. You know, OBGYN doctors, a lot of them left the field around 15, 16 years ago because their malpractice insurance had become so exorbitant that they could no longer afford to pay the, the, the insurance. And that's because a lot of people have sued their OBGYNs for results that they didn't like and gotten hit. So, what do we know? We know that if you're going to continue to allow people to use in vitro fertilization clinics, they have to be regulated and they have to have insurance to cover these kinds of awful occurrences. All right. That's the show for today. God bless. From the heartland, back with you tomorrow.